trust that you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. If you were with family, we pray that it was refreshing. You know, and I, and I, I say that, but sometimes being with family isn't always refreshing. So we pray that it was refreshing and restful and relaxing for you. We trust that you had a great holiday. If you travel, we are glad that you are back with us. We, I know we still have several that are still traveling, and uh, we want to pray for their safe returns. Many are traveling today, and uh, pray that they make it back safely. But we're going to get into the Word. Amen? We've been fed naturally, so I hope that you're ready to be fed spiritually. Amen? Go with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Last week we ministered on gratitude. We said that a generous heart is extended from a grateful heart. It's impossible to be generous if we aren't first grateful. And um, it's important to recognize uh, that um, gratitude is not just something we say. It's not just, oh, I'm thankful. But we actually have to put action to it. We actually have to be grateful. It's who we are. Amen. And um, but we're we're moving into a season of looking beyond ourselves. We're looking we're, we're moving into a season of generosity. We're moving into a season where we're beginning to take a look at what does God have for us? What how can we get beyond uh, where we are to where God wants us to be here as we close out the year? I'm a strong believer that the way you finish one thing is how you enter the next thing. I believe that. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be drug across by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to be dragging myself across the finish line, crawling across the finish line. I know sometimes it can be hard just to finish and just to get there. Um, but I believe that God wants us to finish strong. Amen. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And here we move into a season um, the month of December is not always an exciting season for people. Um, we've, I've mentioned this before when we get to this time of year, but for a lot of people, the month of December is a depressing season. It's a sad season because we look back on the last 330 days and begin to wonder where they all went, begin to wonder what did we accomplish. You know, we always start out in January with New Year's resolutions, but how resolute were we really? And um, this is not a time to look down and, and, and look back at all that we didn't do. This is an opportunity that we have to look ahead. We can finish strong. You have 30-some-odd days left in this year to, to set yourself up for 2017. And, um, and we want to do that not just individually. And uh, I hope that you are going to be doing that with yourself and with your families and your businesses. Whatever your hand touches, we pray that it's blessed. But... We want to do that as a church as well. And as a church, close of one season is just the beginning for the next season. And um, so we want to take a look at what God is doing. And I do want to remind you that on the weekend of December 11th, I believe Sunday is, uh, December 11th is a Sunday. But on that weekend, uh, we're going to come here and we're going to give, uh, once again, take an opportunity to give sacrificially towards uh, the work. That God has called us to do the expansion that God has called us to. Um, I don't know if you've noticed lately, and uh, you know, obviously, this service, um, uh, you know, may not hold that standard. But lately, we've been packing this place out uh, for our anniversary services. We were in triple digits for almost every single service, and I don't know about you, but it's time to move on. 
it's time to find something else. And I'm not wanting to move on just for the sake of moving on, uh, but it's about people's lives and it's about uh, what is the next thing that God has for us. And so we're setting ourselves up for that. And today I want to talk about the challenge of complacency, the challenge of complacency here in Luke chapter nine and starting with verse 57, Luke chapter nine and verse 57. Uh, Jesus is talking about discipleship. How many of you know that Jesus had disciples? All right, a couple people. Jesus had disciples. I'll go ahead and teach you on it. I can do that. Jesus had disciples. Disciple means learner. It means pupil. It means follower. It means student. It's basically one that comes behind or along someone else to do what they did. This wasn't a gang. This wasn't a posse. This wasn't Jesus just wanting to hang out with people. This was, this was Jesus imparting himself and empowering others to do the work that only one man was doing while Jesus was on this earth. Amen. Uh, you could say it this way. Jesus saw beyond himself. You don't need disciples if you're internalized with everything. You don't need disciples if it's all about you. You don't need disciples if this is the Jesus show. But it wasn't the Jesus show. It was the kingdom show. It was heaven on earth show. And so Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to do this by myself. I could. I'm the son of God. Look at everything that I have done while I'm on this earth. But my goal is to impart myself and empower others to do the same works that I've been doing. John chapter 14, verse 12. Uh, Jesus said these words, if you believe, do I have any believers in the room? Okay, if you believe the works that I have done, you shall do. And he didn't stop there. He said, and even greater works. It sounds to me like Jesus was interested in expanding himself and getting beyond himself, getting outside of himself. But while Jesus is calling disciples to him, if you go up to the beginning of Luke chapter 9, he calls the 12. But now we get down here to verse 57 and listen to the conversation he has with a few individuals that are now approaching him. Jesus approached 12 and said, come follow me. They left everything they had. They left house, home, father, mother, jobs, careers. Everything that was familiar to them to get up and what? Follow Jesus. But now he's being approached by some other people. And in verse 57, it says, now it, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, if we go back to verse 1, it looks like Jesus is interested in following. He's calling followers to himself. It sounds like Jesus wants people to come follow him. So now we've got an individual that approaches him and says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. That, you know, most people would jump at that chance. I mean, many of you would say, dude, that's awesome. I mean, I've been doing recruiting, but now people are just wanting to come follow me. They've seen what I've been doing. They've heard what I've been saying. Now they just want to come follow. But listen to his response. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head might be rethinking that whole, I'll come follow you wherever you go, right? Uh, you know, I'll follow you as long as there's 
a Radisson down the road. I'll follow you as long as we're eating, you know, Longhorn every night. I'll, I'll follow you. But that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but you don't have anywhere to lay your head stuff. I don't know about that. Then he said to another, follow me. But the guy responds, he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That sounds like a noble deed. Yeah, man, yeah. go take as much time as you need. Bury your father. <laughs> but Jesus' response says, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Not, 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 not a great conversation so far. Verse 61, another also said, Lord, I'll follow you. But, oh, those, those are the good ones. I'll go wherever you go, but you're putting stipulations on this thing already. We haven't even gotten out the gate yet. You're already telling me how. Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Three, these three conversations sound more to me like he's trying to talk people out of following him than trying to recruit followers. This sounds more like I'm trying to lay down, I'm trying to get to you everything you're about to endure to make sure you really want to do this thing. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, th there is no fine print with Jesus, you could put it that way. He's not, you know, trying to get somebody a credit card here and then, you know, throw out all the awesome stuff about it. But then all the high interest rates and the, the annual fees are all in tiny black ink at the very bottom. He's not doing that. He's going ahead and letting you know all the bad stuff that's going to come with following me. What's this called? This is called the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. And ultimately what Jesus is trying to do is he's looking for individuals that are willing to get beyond their capacity. Jesus is looking for individuals that are trying to get beyond their capacity. Capacity is a funny thing. Capacity is a funny thing because everybody has a capacity. Uh, I do not have the capacity to play in the NBA. I've, I have a few things that are working against me, such as my height, such as my, my, my ability to jump or even dribble a ball. You don't want to see me do that. I, I tried playing basketball in high school, and I just stayed outside the three-point. And if they got me the ball, that's all I did, is I would just try and shoot three-pointers. And I could shoot pretty well, but that wasn't good enough to cut it. Freshman year, okay, they let me play. Uh, you know, I, I, let me put it this way. They let me be on the team. <laughs> Letting me play. It's a whole other thing. I warmed up the bench real good. Sophomore year went out. They didn't even pick me. And so I said, that's all right. I, I've got another sport that I'm, you know, fairly decent at. So I just focused on baseball from there on out. I played baseball from a young child. I had a capacity to ground, to, to field some grounders. I had a capacity to throw strikes. I had a capacity to hit a pitch that was thrown at me. I had a capacity for that. So I stayed within my capacity. You could say that's a capacity. But there's also 
capacities that we have that sometimes we neglect or are unwilling to grab a hold of even though they're obtainable. You got to stay with me now. I know that this is Sunday after Thanksgiving and I know you're, 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 you're feeling the turkey coma coming on, but you need to stay with me. Okay. There's a capacity sometimes that we neglect and the neglecting of capacity is called complacency. The neglecting of capacity is called complacency. Complacency is the realm where you can perform, sure. You can get results, yes. But have you gotten to where your capacity is? Have you reached full capacity? This is the world of complacency. This is the realm of complacency. Here's some things we got to first understand. Number one, you never realize your capability within your comfortability. I'll say that again. You never realize your capability within your comfortability. You will never realize all that you can do within the realm of of what feels good and is comfortable to you. Now, I can give a great example here because growing up, I never really did a whole lot of weightlifting, especially in high school. I don't know why we didn't have a lot of emphasis on it. I, I really played baseball because I hated running, so cardio's out the picture. <laughs> We're not doing running. I played baseball because they'd have us run a lap just to warm up, and that was it. Soccer, forget it. That was another thing I hated about basketball. I wish I could just stay on one end of the court, but they made me run down to the other end and play defense. So, you know, forget about that. Baseball is easy, man. You just stand there. You got your glove. You spit every now and then. You draw in the dirt with your cleats. And then, you know, you get a ball every now. I mean, there's nine of you out there. So, you know, there's like a 10% chance that the ball is coming to you anyways. And so, you know, you're just kind of chilling. Maybe you have to run from from first to second, but that's it, 90 feet, and you're done. I mean, this is awesome. My, that's my kind of sport. So weightlifting and cardio and working out, you know, uh, I, I didn't have a whole lot of trouble keeping weight off. In fact, I had a, whole, a lot of trouble keeping weight on. So doing any type of cardio would have really messed up the physique that I was going for you know, trying to build myself up, I'd go run a mile and I'd lose it all. So, you know, forget it. But when I turned 21, I moved out to St. Augustine, Florida. If you were here for the anniversary services, you got to hear Pastor Earl's wonderful testimony of what I looked like when I arrived in St. Augustine. And um, I can get descriptive. I was uh, the height that I am now, but I was about 110 pounds. Not a whole lot, not a whole lot to me. Uh, had probably no muscle at all. At, you know, there's there's no lines or shadows or anything like that. You know, and um, Pastor Earl's son, oldest son Sean, I was living with them, and so Sean got me into going to the gym, and I began to find my capacity in the gym. But 
You know, I've heard people say, you know, I, I like working out by myself. I, you know, I'm not really big on, you know, working out with other people. And um, I was great at working out by myself when I didn't want to be pushed. When I didn't want to get out of a comfort zone. But when I started to get serious about working out and being in the gym on a consistent basis, I found out that if I really want to see the results that I want here, I'm going to have to bring somebody along with me that's going to get me out of my comfort zone. Because until it's uncomfortable, we don't see the results you're looking for. See, complacency is comfortable. Complacency is easy. Sure, you're doing it. Complacency isn't necessarily laziness. You're doing it. I I was complacent while going to the gym. When I first got started, I would have never gone to a gym unless Sean said, hey, come work out with me. And he was about my size, but he was also five years younger than me. So, uh, you know, but he was my size. So we had the same goals in the gym. Lift as much weight as possible and put on as much weight as possible. That was our goal. So we would stuff our faces as, you know, I remember him and I, uh, we had this ongoing joke because we both worked together too. We both worked at a Tommy Hilfiger outlet store in St. Augustine as well. I followed him over to Walgreens Pharmacy and we both got jobs there. And I remember we were both, you know, we were together a lot. And at the end of like our first year, we were like, man, look at all this money we made. We were like, you know, comparing paychecks. I don't know what we were doing. And we were like, where did it all go? And his mom, Pastor Marcy, looked at us and said, it went to all the food you've been stuffing your faces with trying to put on weight. That's where it went. Gym memberships and food. And that, that's, you know, I, I would have to eat so much food just to keep up the calorie intake that I was supposed to be doing. And he would always stay on top. You need this kind of protein. You need to take this. You need to do this. You know, had all this stuff for me. But I found out when Sean wasn't with me, I wasn't pushing as much weight. I found out when he wasn't with me in the gym, uh, you know, I wasn't reaching my capacity, my capability, because I was remaining comfortable. See, I didn't have someone to spot me on the bench press, so I was afraid of dropping that thing on my chest and busting my sternum open. And so, you know, when I felt like I couldn't get it up anymore, I wouldn't stop and ask somebody to help me. I would just remain in my comfort zone. There is no growth in complacency. This is what we have to recognize. When we become complacent, we don't grow. You're just doing things out of routine. You're just doing what's comfortable. You're just doing what is what you believe is within your capacity, but we never reach full capacity until we get out of our comfortability. What happens is, is without complacency, there's no urgency. Or when there's complacency, there's no urgency. When you become complacent, there's no desperation. You lose sight of the big picture. You lose the vision that God has for you. You lose the vision of getting beyond and getting outside of yourself. What is Jesus trying to do with these individuals? He's not looking for a complacent followers because Jesus has a bigger picture. Now, Jesus is not just interested in followers. 
See, most of us would stop there. But if you go over to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So he found followers, guys. He went and found them. But watch what he does. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now watch this in verse 2. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Now you got to catch this. The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. He's not looking for followers. He's looking for people that he can send out. The, the picture is much bigger than that. You see what I'm saying? He's not looking for people to just come follow him. We, most of us would just say, we just want to grow the church. We just want to get people in the doors. We just want to fill the seats. I heard one pastor say that I don't judge a church by its seating capacity. I judge a church by its sending capacity. It doesn't make a, 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 a world of difference what we can put in this chair if we can't empower the person in this chair to go back out into the world and do what they're taught in the chair. That's the goal. Jesus isn't interested in just disciples. He's not interested in 12 followers or 70 followers. He was never moved by the multitude. At times we read that he had upwards of 20,000 people just sitting on the side of a mountain listening to him talk. Words of authority, words of boldness. But when Jesus went to the cross, he went all by himself. He showed himself to 500 people after he rose again from the dead. 500. Yet we only get 120 in the upper room. But yet today, the church today is so moved by numbers and followers. And really, we are looking more at converts than disciples. And he didn't send us to make converts. He didn't send us to get a bunch of people to say a prayer and then live however they want. He, he called us to make disciples, those that would repent and be baptized, every one of you, and then go out and do the work of the ministry, the work of the kingdom. So complacency has no room in discipleship is what Jesus is saying. What's he saying? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he saying? It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. See, complacency is easy. I, I hope that I'm helping us identify today where we've become complacent, not lazy, what are some reasons for complacency? Well, one could be opposition. Opposition. Resistance. Right? We're, we're, we're pushing. I mean, let's, let's just go back to the gym model. Uh, one of the reasons why I would become complacent in the gym is because of the resistance of adding more weight to a bar that to me was already heavy. And if I'm not careful, I'll go in week after week after week. 
and put the same amount on that bar. And I'll push the same amount the same amount of times. And I won't try to do one more. I won't try to do get one more rep. I won't try to throw another five pound on there. I will ask somebody to come spot me and help me get this. I'm going to struggle. It's the resistance. It's the opposition that says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm good with 135. I'm good with that. Uh, it might be being tired or weary. But the Bible tells us, do not become weary in well-doing. What's that tell me? You don't just become tired from doing the wrong thing. You can become, you can become tired from doing the right thing. You can do it all right and still get tired. Still grow weary. That's why he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. That's why Paul gives us that encouragement. Why? Because even when you've got it all going right, even when you're doing the right thing, you're going to come up against some weariness. Uh, It might be the limits. See, we can all get to the place where you can do it by yourself. But if you want to reach your full capacity, you've got to learn to get around other people that are going to help you get beyond what you can do by yourself. If you're unwilling to, get, to surround yourself with people that will help you push beyond your limit, you won't grow past the limit. Amen. But here's some other reasons why I think complacency settles in. Number one is a sense of entitlement. I think entitlement causes us to become complacent because we start waiting around for what's owed us. What belongs to me. And we become complacent rather than pushing on to try to achieve more. We sit back and say, well, where's mine? Don't we see a lot of that today? Uh, How about satisfaction? I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I'm good pushing that weight. I'm good running that fast in that amount of time. I'm good making this paycheck. I'm good with where my marriage is at. Come on. Come on. There's limits. There's limits. But sometimes the limit's not the problem. Sometimes it's you. Yeah. Sometimes we say, you know, we, we, we grow tired. We grow weary. There's opposition. There's resistance. And then there's just, I'm satisfied. Now, I'm not telling you to live a life that is dissatisfied. Another word would be contentment. We become content. But if we're not careful, contentment can become the enemy rather than the catalyst. I believe that contentment should propel us into more that God has for us. I believe that becoming content and seeing where God has brought us should only push us. See, that this, these are the questions that I'm having to ask myself as a pastor of this church. And I hope that I'm beginning to turn some gears for this church. Have we just become satisfied? Have we just become content? I'm telling you right now, many people have confused contentment with complacency. You're not content. You're complacent. You're not just satisfied. You're not just, I'm I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm good. I remember... Pastor Earl told me this story when he was in Bible school. We, we attended the same Bible school at Ramah in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And one of his assignments that he had was he had to call a Ramah pastor and just talk to him about, you know, 
ministry. And he called this pastor. And this pastor said, yeah, well, you know, we, we've been running, um, we've been running a, a, a hundred, you know, for, for quite a while now. You know, we've just been running about a hundred people. And pastor will say, well, you know, how long have you been there? He said, 25 years. Now, I'm not putting anything on numbers. But the very next statement identified why he was running 100 for 25 years. He said, you know, I just don't think I was willing to put in the work that Brother Hagin put in to get what he got. Just came out and said it. Just came out and said it. I'm just not willing to put in that amount of work. I'm just not willing to do it. I'm going to tell you right now, our life is bigger than our life. And I can't tell you what you're going to stand before Jesus for. But I don't want to stand before Jesus and have to answer for complacency. That's the last thing. I'll stand before Jesus and not having succeeded, but having done everything I could to get there. But I will not stand before Jesus and say, I was tired. Or I was was satisfied. I'm not satisfied with what Jesus is not satisfied with. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to these individuals. Ultimately, he's talking to a bunch of individuals that are coming to him saying, I'll come follow you for what I can get. And Jesus was looking for disciples, looking for followers that would come follow him for what they could give. And that's what the church is doing today. We come in here saying, what can I get? And God is saying, I want to know what you can come give. I mean, if I got up here and said, how many of you came to receive, came to receive today? I mean, the hands would go up. You came to receive a touch. You came to receive a word. You came to receive a, a power. You came to receive this. You came to receive that. And then if I got up here and said, all right, how many of you came to give today? It's a different response. It's a different response. Hey, this is stretching. This is stretching. You don't get to your capacity. You don't reach full capacity thinking, what can I get? What can I receive? See, complacency isn't overcome by intention. It's surpassed by initiation. What does that mean? It's not what you want to do. And it's not what you say you're going to do that gets you out of complacency. It's what you actually do. It's what you put into practice. It's when you lay your life down. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. What's he saying? Until you have sacrificed, you haven't followed me. Until you have laid something down, you're not one of my disciples. Complacency shows up when we say, what can I get rather than what can I give? That's when complacency shows up. And it's not by intention. Well, I wanted to or I wish I could. I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of people that wish they could do things for God that God has enabled them to do. They're just unwilling to start small. 
I've run into this problem with musicians. Musicians are are the toughest ones. Especially once you've gotten some experience under your belt and you've played with certain individuals and certain types of talent and in certain streams, certain flows of music. I've been around music for a long time. And I can tell you right now, musicians are the hardest ones to get them to start small. It's crazy to get them up on a stage. I'm thankful for our worship team that we have, and I hope you are too. I'm thankful for every one of the individuals, but I've had conversations with people and said, you don't belong up here because you think about yourself too much. You think about what, what sounds good to you. You think about what sounds good or what feels good or what. I remember I did this one time. I did it playing drums down in St. Augustine. And Pastor Marcy, she loves all these gospel, you know, hip songs, all this fast stuff. And I'm not used to playing that, you know. I, I, I couldn't do it, honestly. had no interest in learning to do it. And I remember Pastor Marcus brought these songs to us. He brought these songs to us and said, all right, here's what we're going to learn. And he's playing them. And I'm just sitting there thinking and practicing. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to find yourself another drummer. That's what you do. I said, you know somebody? I'll start making some calls. And I got an attitude about it. I told, I told Pastor Marcus, it's my best friend too, you know, so kind of had that going. I said, she's, she's joking. There's no, I can't even attempt to play that. But I was thinking about myself. I didn't one second think about the people in the seat that would be receiving. And honestly, I was in my capacity, in my limits, unwilling to do whatever it took, unwilling to start small. I had that musician, do you know who I am? Do you know what I what I can play? Do you know what I can do? Have I not given you three years of my service on this? And this is what you. But man, when I changed that, I'd go up there on a Sunday afternoon. I'd go out to eat with my wife, and I'd go back up to the church on a Sunday afternoon, just me and the drums. Put that song in there. Put it in my headphones and just go to town and mess up and mess up and mess up and then start to get it down and start to do a little bit. And I could never play it the way they played it, but I could play it well enough that finally when I got outside of myself, see, if foxes have holes and birds have nests, but it, it might be a little uncomfortable and it might stretch you beyond what you think your limit is and might put you into a place that you didn't even realize your capacity could take you. But when you're willing to get beyond comfortability, you'll really begin to see what your capability is. And I began to find out what I was capable on the drums that I had been playing since I was four years old and had never attempted to get outside because I only thought about me. And this is what Jesus is calling the church to do today. Guys, if we're going to go to the next level as a church, we've got to get outside of what is comfortable to us. We've got to get outside of of what we think is comfortable and what feels good to us or even what we have been doing. Myself included, I've been asking myself this question you know, while everybody else was celebrating and excited during the five-year anniversary, on the inside, I'm kind of like, 
this is kind of scary. Because I've never bought property before. I, 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 I've never looked at a building bigger than the current piece that we have. I, I, I've never pastored that many people. I've never uh, uh, extended our leadership to that level. I've never, and, and sometimes you ask the question, sometimes guys are just going to be real with you. Sometimes you ask the question, is this all that I'm meant for? Is this my capacity? Is this my limit? But it's not until we stop internalizing everything that we begin to recognize what we're really capable of. See, the thing is, is that complacency is measured by capacity. Complacency is measured by capacity. Let let me explain this. The fact that you have arrived at complacency is a sign that you have not arrived at your capacity because you can't become complacent if you've maxed yourself out. Just the very, the very nature of complacency tells me that there's more that I can do. Does that make sense? Listen, if you, have, if you are beginning to notice within yourself that I'm kind of settling in, I'm becoming a little bit complacent, that is the very sign that there is more that you haven't even tapped into yet. See, that's why I call this the challenge of complacency. Because complacency is the challenge to reach your full capacity. Complacency is the very challenge. It will help you recognize there's more that I haven't even tapped into yet. There's more that can get pulled out of me. And the very fact that I'm starting to kind of settle in and become complacent right now tells me that there's more that I'm capable of. The complacency is the challenge. No longer is complacency a negative. No longer, and I'm telling you right now, when I saw this in the Word, when I began to see this, it turned my whole thought process. I began looking at my life, and what have I become complacent with? My marriage, my family, the church, finances. What have I settled in to? That God's wanting me to take, he's wanting to take me out of so I can reach a greater capacity. What is it that you have begun to notice there's a little bit of complacency showing up? That area where the complacency is showing up is God trying to show you there's more that I want to get out of you. There's a greater capacity if you'll address The complacency. Complacency must be confronted. I'm I'm, I'm convinced that what is not challenged does not change. What is not challenged does not change. If you don't challenge the complacency in your life, if you don't confront the areas where you started to settle, it won't change. It won't change because you want it to. It won't change because you wish it and hope it to. It won't change because you need it to. It won't change because you tell it to. It will begin to change when you initiate the change in your life. But it requires a sacrifice. I've learned this just through the gym once again, that nothing's growing until it's hurting. 
And sometimes when people say, you know, I, I really just like working out by myself. Really what they're saying is, I don't like being challenged. But when you start recognizing, I need to go to, I did this last year, right around this time last year. Y'all know Travis Biles in this church. And he trains people. Obviously, he's qualified to do it. If you've ever seen him, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And it was December of last year. So I don't know if y'all remember, I initiated a a uh, 30-day, I don't even know what I called it, a a 30-day thing for the month of December, that whatever you're waiting to do in January, start doing it now. That's what people do. I'll, I'll quit smoking on New Year's Day. No, you won't. You would quit smoking today. I'll quit this. I'll start that. No, you won't. Do it now. And so we implemented that last year. I don't know how many of you uh, partook of it, but I did. I went and saw Travis. I said, uh, you know, one of my resolutions was I wanted to do such and such in the gym or, or, you know, increase myself in this area. So December 1st, I went to Travis. I said, let's go. Let's do it. And he challenged me. And he pushed me. And I wanted to push him back, but I couldn't. And I wanted to hit him in the face. And I wanted to throw weights at him. He's got me doing, um, uh, I, I, don't even, um, I don't even know what it's called. It hurt. <laughs> Going one end of the gym down to the other. And I'm waiting for him to tell me when I can stop. And he just keeps going. It just keeps going. I, I hate, that's why I hate CrossFit. Just, you're on the clock and nobody's telling you 10 seconds. No, they just keep going, keep going. Keep, and you're just, you're dying. Your, your lungs are, have exploded within your body. You are running out of oxygen. Your muscles, I mean, you know, it, it's just the worst thing ever. But what did he do? He challenged me. And I saw change as a result of the challenge. See, if you, are, if you are resistant to confrontation, you'll remain complacent. You'll remain complacent. We, there's no growth. There's no growth. Because what is not challenged is not changed. Now look at this real quick. Luke chapter 18. We'll wrap this up. Luke chapter 18. If you have arrived at complacency, you have not arrived at your capacity. I'll say that again. If you have arrived at complacency, you have not arrived at your capacity. But the very fact that you're recognizing complacency tells you there's more left in you. There's more there. But it's going to take some challenging. It's going to take some confronting. You might need to go home and confront your marriage and say, you know, I've grown, I've, I've grown complacent here. I haven't been stepping it up. I haven't been moving uh, in our marriage the way that we need to. You may need to do that. You may need to do that with your children. You may need to do that with your finances. You, knew, you know there's more. You know you can do better. You know you can handle wiser. And you just have been growing complacent and you've settled into, well, this is what I get every two weeks and this is how long it lasts. But maybe there's something more that God wants. He wants to increase your capacity and you've grown complacent. When you grow complacent, there's no growth anywhere else. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Jesus is speaking with an individual. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What's he saying? What can I get? 
He's coming to Jesus saying, what can I get? Not, not what can I give. What can I get? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And the guy's response, and he said, all these things I have, what? Let's say that again. All these things I have kept. When you look at what you have more than what you could have, you're complacent. There's another verse here in this same section. Jesus says, what, what, what is it to a man that he gains the whole world? He loses or forfeits his soul. And while you're standing there looking at everything you've gained and all the successes and all the accomplishments and, and everything that you have added or everything that and, and look, God's faithful. God has brought it to you. God has done it. But when we sit there and, and become fixated on those things rather than what can I give? What can I add? How can I increase? How can I continue to grow? We've become complacent. We've become complacent. He says, all these things I have kept from my youth. Verse 22. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. You still lack. In the midst of all that you have, you're still missing something. One thing. One thing. We all have a one thing. You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Now, guys, Jesus is not telling this young man. I believe it's the book of Matthew calls him the rich young ruler. Sounds like you've got everything the world could offer. You're rich. You're young. And you're a ruler. And yet Jesus sees the one thing that's missing. He sees a man that even though he has a lot, has, has become complacent with what he has. And now you're asking, how can I get? How can I inherit? All these things I've kept. And Jesus says, no, 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 you, you're, you're missing the whole thing. If you want to come follow me, you've got to be asking me, what can I give? The greatest way to get outside of complacency is start asking yourself, what can I do with what I have? What more can God do through me? That's where I'm at with this church. Because if we're not careful, complacency, it can be easy to settle in. It can be easy to look back. Because look, I know some of you have just started coming this year or within the last year. But I know the battles we fought just to get here. I know the opposition and the resistance we came against just to get, just to, get to where we're at. I know the fight that it's been just to keep the light and the, the, the air on sometimes, keep the doors on. I know those things. But I don't want to sit here and say, look at what we've accomplished. 
I want to say, now what can we do with what God has brought to us? And that's how you move out of complacency, out of comfortability, out of what you are capable of doing. Notice here that the rich young ruler was able to remain complacent until he got around someone that challenged his complacency. He got himself a workout partner. Now, the sad part was that he was willing to stay where he was rather than go where Jesus could take him. I mean, people do this in the weight room all the time. Even though you've got a trainer that is willing to push you, he says, come follow me. Let me tell you what you got to do. You got to do cardio every day. Let me tell you what you got to do. I'm going to get you up to, 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 to this weight. But you're going to have to eat this much. I'll tell you what you got to do. And you start listing off those things. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the son of man. No, no, no. You, you, the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. What's he saying? You're not going to remain complacent and accomplish the purpose that I have for you. You're not going to remain complacent. Your capacity isn't challenged in the company of complacency. Your capacity won't remain challenged if you stay around the same people that let you settle and let you stay where you're at. You need to start getting around some people that think bigger than you, talk bigger than you, do bigger than you. You need to start getting around some people. I heard one pastor, he pastors 25,000 people on a weekend. He says, I hate it when I'm the smartest man in the room. So I don't want to get in a room and I want I want to get in the room because what happens is, is when you're the smartest one in the room, they're all asking you questions. He says, I want to learn. I want to get around people that are doing more than I'm doing. I want to get around people that have been doing it longer than I've been doing it. I want to get around people that have more passion than I am than I have right now. And sometimes we choose to stay around people that are on the same level as us or below us because it makes us feel good. No, no, no. It's keeping you complacent. It's keeping you settled. It's keeping you satisfied. I'm not telling you to become dissatisfied. I'm not telling you to become discontent. But I am asking us as the church and asking you to look at your family and to look at your, 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 your situation and begin to ask yourself, what areas have I become complacent in that I, God wants me to increase in my capacity? Guys, if you come up. What is it? What is it? Because complacency stays fixated on what you have. What you have accomplished, what you have done, how high the promotions that you've gone, the ranks you've gone up, what you have done. But your capacity looks to the future. What is yet to be done. I love that God called a man named Abraham. The least of candidates to be a father of many nations. What's that called? Capacity. It's called capacity. He said, Abraham, here's your capacity. You are to be a father of many nations. What is your current situation? You can't even have one. You can't have kids. You can't do this. It's impossible. 
what does he do? He stretches his capacity. But what does he do? He gets him out of what's comfortable. He says, you're going to have to leave your father. You're going to have to leave your home. You're going to have to leave your town. And I'm going to take you to a place. I'll tell you when you get there. I'll tell you when you get there. Guys, are you willing to trust God to take you somewhere that you don't even know where that is? Are you willing to get out of the comfortability of life? Are you willing to get out of what you're currently capable of, of what, of what you currently see produced, of what you, and I don't care, you may be satisfied, you may be saying, I'm okay here, but if God's not, you shouldn't be either. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your purpose will be fulfilled in our lives. Your purpose will be fulfilled in this church, but it will not be fulfilled in the midst of our complacency. It will not be fulfilled in the midst of what we have grown satisfied with that you are not satisfied with. It will not grow. It will not increase. It will not go towards what you have for us, Father. We will not see it take place. Father, we're not looking back. We're moving forward. We're going deeper. We're going further into everything that you have for us. We're thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful for where you've brought us. We're thankful for what you've done. We're thankful for what we're seeing. But, Father, we know that there's more. We know that you have called us to do more, be more, send more, give more, get beyond our capacity. Take the limits off. We take the limits off so that we can see your will and your purpose accomplished in and through our lives. And we give you the glory. We give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Our ushers are moving now. If you need an offering envelope, please raise your hand. And our ushers will be quick to get one to you. If you're writing a check, you can make it out to Anchor Faith Church or AFC. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. December 11th will come. We'll give sacrificially. Give beyond. Beyond what you currently can do. What you even thought you could do. I'm letting you know now so you can start talking to God. Start talking to God. Start talking to the Holy Spirit, getting sensitive. God, what would you have me do? What part would you have me play? For some people, it might be $100. That might be the stretch for you. That might be the enlargement for you. That might be going beyond the limit that you can do. For others, it'll be much greater than that. And we're thankful that as a result of you giving sacrificially beyond what you can do, this church will be able to get beyond what it is currently doing and will be able to continue to see this city ignited, this nation impacted, and this world influenced for the kingdom of God. Amen. I just got to spend a little bit of time last week while we were in Florida with Pastor Earl casting vision, talking about 2017. There are great things on the horizon for AFC across the board. I'll tell you right now, we are taking advantage of the situation that we have and we are going to see increase like we have never seen before and I'm excited to be a part of it Uh, hopefully we'll be able to share some of that with you in the coming months Uh, but God's doing great things we are just getting started 
I want you to know that. Those of you that have been with us from day one, that you have been here faithfully devoted to what God is doing, I'm letting you know we're just getting started. That's the thing about complacency is you always have that just getting started. And sometimes on the inside you're thinking, are you serious? All this work, all that we've put in, all that we've seen so i tell you what, there's a lot of work that goes into just getting the seed in the ground, much less getting the blade to come through and to start getting a crop off of it. But amen, we're getting laborers. We're getting laborers for the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in and through this church. We're thankful to be a part of it. We're thankful to see your kingdom increased and advanced through our labor, through our work. Father, I thank you for every seed sown this morning. We're not giving to the church. We're giving through the church to our king. Father, I think you're not limited by finance and money, but, Father, you use it. And I thank you that we can continue to see the increase in this church. Every bill paid on time, every need met. We give you the glory and the honor. You know everything that we need before we even ask. Father, I thank you that we can participate in this way. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 As the ushers are moving, just want to remind you of a few things. Number one, we are still continuing to collect for Valdosta One Lunch. Uh, We're going to do, they're planning on doing another packing and distribution in the month of December. Dates still to be determined, uh, but we'll have those to you as soon as possible. But you can continue to bring items, continue to collect, continue to bring water, pop-top proteins, um, uh, the apple sauces, the pudding cups, and um, the peanut butter crackers. So continue to bring those items, drop them off here, we'll collect them, and then uh, be able to uh, do another packing. The last packing that we did, we were able to pack 660 lunches. It was a phenomenal turnout, uh, even with just a couple weeks' notice. So it was awesome what God did. Thank you for participating and contributing and being a part of that. And then also, Uh, We are baking fresh-baked cookies for our Moody Airmen. Uh, Next Sunday is the collection date, so please have them here uh, next Sunday. Just just stock it up, everybody. Bring some fresh-baked cookies, and we're going to get to Moody Air Force Base, and they're going to get them out to the Airmen that will be sticking around here uh, for the holidays. Amen. Hallelujah. We love y'all. We appreciate you being here on this Sunday following Thanksgiving. We hope that you... Uh, Have a great rest of your weekend, great start to your week. We'll be right back here on Wednesday, continuing our midweek Bible study on authority, and then obviously service next Sunday. We love you all. Appreciate you. Have a great week.
Save us all from Satan's power.